This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to episode 41. The excuses for this episode are going right out the window and the BS meter will be flying off the charts on this case. Today on the show, we have Chris Kegg. He went into the Marine Corps right out of high school as an overweight football player, returned lean, fit, and able to make in, take on any challenges. The philosophy that was ingrained in him changed his outlook on fitness and being active. He started core fitness with the philosophy exposing people to the motivation and self-realization he experienced in boot camp. He pushed himself beyond what he thought was his limit, and that redefined what he knew he could accomplish with his life. In 1998, he was diagnosed with a degenerative nerve condition, and as a result of his Marine Corps experience, he only became more determined to make the best of his situation. His goal with Core Fitness and I Am Able Foundation is to inspire others to look inside themselves, to push forward, and despite their challenges, no excuses, just move. Dads, this interview is incredible. We talk about adversity. We talk about what armed him to get to this mental state. And if you are fighting those excuses in your head, this is the episode of, for you because this is the zero excuses episode where all your BS flies out the window and we share vulnerable, vulnerability, raw stories, and what he is able to empower others from wheelchair and how is he still able to live his life, how he shows up as a dad to a six-year-old son. All of these things we are unpack, and it's going to be a great episode. So without further ado... Let's get started with Chris Kigg. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We talked way back in last July, and we had a little bit of a scheduling conflict, but I'm glad we kept being persistent and we finally made this interview happen because your story is something I know is going to bring a few dads home today. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Go ahead and unpack a little bit of uh, what your family looks like right now and any of your backstory of, of where you are today. So, um, you know, I have a wife and a, a six-year-old son, um, you know, I'm a, uh, an entrepreneur. So I, I started my, my for-profit core fitness uh, based on, on me being a Marine and uh, also I Am Able Foundation, which provides uh, uh, adaptive equipment and uh, motivation to the, uh, the adaptive community. So the people that aren't uh, being able to watch this video, Chris is in a wheelchair. Can you unpack a little bit of how that happened? Yeah. So, um, you know, my, my, uh, my life was fairly normal. I was born just like anybody else, um, played football all through uh, my childhood and through high school. And then, uh, when I uh, graduated from, uh, from high school, I went to Paris Island, South Carolina, just like you did as well. And, um, you know, kind of changed my whole life 
and then uh, unfortunately, two weeks after my 21st birthday, I was overseas in uh, in Aviano, Italy, and developed a uh, uh, a condition where my feet started to drag and started to feel some weakness in my hip flexors, and um, that's when my Marine Corps career was done. So when I got back to the states, I started to uh, trip over my feet, started to lose my balance, started to fall. You know, you started using a cane, then two canes, and then within five years, uh, I was in a chair. So that's uh, how my life has been over the past uh, what seventeen years, and you know, it's been 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 a challenge but at the same time it's been uh, probably one of the best things that ever happened to me so for any dads out there that maybe came back with a, a war wound that was a similar one that maybe handicapped him what was your mindset like back then because i can't imagine it was very strong or very good uh what do you mean my, my mindset I mean, like what were you just, going through what thoughts or what issues were you dealing with like a, your number one problem back then that you had to face besides just figuring out how to live life from a different point of view yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was 21 years old. I was still a, a kind of a, a cocky, you know, Marine who thought I had the world figured out. And, you know, the fortune, you know, for my, for my condition, you know, obviously everybody's got different circumstances for their different uh, conditions that they, that they sustain. Um, so I didn't have a traumatic accident or anything that happened to me. So I didn't wake up in a hospital bed and my life was totally changed. I had to uh, kind of adjust on my own. You know, I never went to rehab, never uh, had therapy, never had anybody telling me how to do it. So when I came back to, uh, to Pennsylvania, um, I just had to kind of figure it out. And unfortunately, there wasn't anybody around here who knew how to, uh, to help me. So it, it was definitely a challenge to be a 21-year-old kid, you know, um, trying to figure this stuff out and trying to figure out how I was going to adapt to my situation and how I was going to integrate, you know, back into society with uh, the way that I was doing it. But you know, fortunately, I have a, a very strong support system, my family and my, you know, made a lot of good friends. And, you know, that's something that uh, definitely helped keep me on the uh, straight and narrow. When you look back, I can imagine like a common thought probably would have been like my life was over almost because you probably had this entire persona of where you wanted your life to go in one trajectory. And then within a five year, five year period, you were heading into a different. How did you work through that, like trying to redefine your life with a different purpose? You know, you know what, um, you know, I, 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 I sort of talk about this all the time and, um, I, 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 I feel, I, I feel I was very blessed, um, because I, I remember the day that my doctor at Walter Reed, you know, came down the hall and told me what was going on. And at the time I was, I was relieved because I had no idea for nine weeks I was in the hospital. I was getting poked and prodded and spinal taps, you know, getting blood taken every single damn day. And I really had no idea what it was. So when I finally got the answer, it was more relief. Like, okay, this is what I got. Now it's time to freaking move on and figure something out. So, you know, that that's, I, I've never really had any uh, times where I was like overly depressed. I was pissed. Um, I was like, you know, unsure about what the future was going to hold. Um, my doctor said, you know, you could be in a chair in five years. And at the time I was still walking around. So I really didn't believe it. Um, but in actuality, that's exactly what happened to me. Um, so it, it's just one of those things where, you, you kind of deal with the stages as they come. And um, fortunately for me, you know, the, the Marine Corps is what truly saved my life, you know, because it gave me the ability to take challenges and, and, and accept the fact that nothing's going to be perfect and don't make any excuses, just, you know, figure it the hell out and move on. And that was even before you started uh, the problem, correct? Like that was just the normal Marine Corps mindset that you were working with or programmed Absolutely. with. Yeah, I was I wasn't uh, overly symptomatic at that point. I was, you know, having I couldn't run, 
that was the only thing that I couldn't do. I still was able to walk. I wasn't even limping then. It was just basically, um, I, I couldn't do anything fast. And that unfortunately pissed me off because I like to do everything fast. <laughs> what did you do with it when you first got out as far as when you were at first in a wheelchair? What were those first years? What were you doing with your life? And what were you doing to pass the time? Um, you know what? Got out. Um, and had to figure out what the hell I wanted to do because all I wanted to do was be a Marine and really didn't have any other uh, ideas on what I was able to do. So, you know, started working at a, a local gym, um, you know, just opening the front desk. And um, then I started doing some personal training, um, things like that. So, again, I'm 21 years old and I'm trying to figure out what it is that I'm passionate about, what I want to do. Um, but it was, it, was a, it was a process. It was something that, you know, what, it didn't happen overnight. It was not easy. I just was kind of, you know, figuring things out as I went. But, um, you know, lo and behold, I definitely figured it out. And I, I feel very fortunate that I had a, uh, a great support network and a, and a lot of people who were helping support me. The, um, actually, we're going to have to pause because a neighbor girl is knocking on the door right now. So just hang uh, on one moment. I'll be right back. So there is an episode that we recorded about a month ago where a Marine was medically discharged and he had his identity wrapped up in the Marine Corps. Like that's what he wanted to do his entire life for the rest of his life. And it was stripped of him because he was medically discharged for an ankle problem. But he spiraled down and actually ended up a year and a half into it, taking his own life. Um, there's a dad out there that's listening to this that has their identity wrapped up in the Marine Corps. What advice would you give them? Because it sounds like you were able to take that training from the Marine Corps and redefine it a different way. What advice do you have out there for someone struggling with that? Huh. that, that, that that's kind of a tough thing. You know, I, I, I go out and speak to, you know, numerous people, you know, who are, you know, uh, suffering from traumatic injuries and, you know, they're recently, uh, you know, um, figuring out what it is. And you know what, all I can do is I can give the examples of what my life has done. And yes, it was a challenge and uh, it's definitely different than it was before. But um, all I try to tell people is like, I'm a resource. You know, I, I want anybody to reach out to me if they if they ever have an issue or, you know, whenever they're, you know, they've gotten to the point where they've accepted it, you know, because everybody has different different time frames of, of what it's going to take for them to be able to accept their new reality. Um, so all I can do is just make sure that people know that I'm here to listen and help and, you know, provide any advice or any guidance um, that helped me. But you know what? The, 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 it's, the shoe doesn't fit everybody. You know, so all I can do is, uh, you know, just hopefully tell them to keep a positive attitude, look around you of all the people who have it a hell of a lot worse than you do. And, you know, just definitely, um, you know, put some appreciation in there and that you can get through pretty much anything. What about when, so you're working through the, the identity. One of the other things that veterans face is ego. Did you have to work through any ego of letting go of the, the macho Marine part and try to be more humble because your life kind of dished you a big piece of humble pie almost? Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I really can honestly say, I don't think I did. I, I really never was a, uh, a big ego guy. I mean, I definitely, you know, had my, my share of, uh, you know, ego moments. Um, but you know, for me, that wasn't the, uh, the main purpose of what my life was. And again, I have, I have, a, I had a great father, mother, you know, a great family, my stepmom, I have six brothers and sisters. So, you know, you, you sort of have to, adjust the way that you act because you know what it's not only the person who's dealing with the issue or the challenge that suffers it's everybody else mm -hmm. you know oh shit my brothers came back he and, and my son he can't walk now or my nephew he can't do this now he's falling over his feet 
And that's the kind of stuff that I was dealing with. And I did not want my family to have to suffer, you know, and seeing my two younger brothers have to deal with the same condition as I do. I know exactly what my family went through now. And I think what you just mentioned there is critical that we have the ability to gift this to our kids. But then what you were gifted from your family is that you had that cohesive family and strong father to build your, your, your persona up that you didn't create like a lot of the, the Marine that killed himself. He grew up in a fatherless home and his ego was completely driven by trying to prove himself because he never had a father there to kind of mentor him through life. And as one of the things that I recognize is my role as a dad is to help make sure that our kids have these strong um, personality, not necessarily strong personalities, but they know who they are. They're confident and they know they're well-rounded in the experience of life because you were able to walk through something that would have been too much for most people to bear. But that was because you had a very, you didn't have any like holes in your persona or your, your personality that you were trying to, to fix from childhood that most people don't ever spend time digging into. You know what? Wow. I mean, that, that's, that's the first time I've ever gotten that perspective. And I really appreciate that because I, I strongly agree with that because I'm, I would put it to, toward the main reason why you made it through without a lot of what we just went through or what we were just talking about, because that's what that Marine was missing because his, his, uh, his wife would describe him as the Hulk. Like, and, and the guy described himself as the Hulk. Like he had this inner personality that was just, that this was just the doctor on the outside. Uh, but he was just constantly too afraid to admit that he didn't have it all together. And you had that community, you had that strong family. And this is what I believe that we leave on the table as military dads, that we have so much experience and wisdom from the military, either from war, from regular, just serving and seeing the world that we can give our kids a well-rounded life to be able to walk through what you did without even blinking and just keep on going to redefine their life with a snap of the fingers. And Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think the father figure is is, is definitely a uh, strong role. And if somebody doesn't have a father, I mean, the rest of their family could you know uh, fill that role as well. But yeah, you definitely need to have strong, um, you know, supportive uh, parents or you know mentors or anybody to help you get through those uh, those challenging times. And it's not a statistic that's often talked about, but I want to say it's like sixty six percent of mass sh- shooters today are from fatherless homes. So if you think of where people get to on the other end of that it roots into the beginnings of how they're, how they grew up. Did they have a clear definition of what a man was like? Um, we have an upcoming interview with Chris Hoffman and he joined the Marine Corps for the single ability to figure out what it meant to be a man. He didn't grow up. His father was in jail from an early life and that, he joined single-handedly just to figure out what it meant to be a man. So he didn't even have that clear definition. And even on the other side of his transition, he almost took his own life because you get the identity of the Marine Corps and that's what this dad did that took his life. He got the identity. He loved it. But then when you take it off, you lose it. And you, got, you have no idea who you were because or you, know, you no longer know who you are because in the beginning, you no longer, you didn't know who you were when you went in. And that's right. when you collapse. I think that's maybe why you made it through is because you had a very solid version of yourself before the Marine, Marine Corps just enhanced who you already were. It wasn't something you became. It was just uh, right. making stronger what was already there. Yeah, you know what? The, the, the Marine Corps started when I was eight. You know, my dad, my grandfather, my uncle, they were all Marines. So, you know, ever since I was a kid, you know, learning about Marine Corps history and learning about Marine Corps traditions and just seeing the way they interacted with other Marines, it's like that was something that was ingrained in me in a very early age. I mean, I remember eight years old, you know, writing the Marine Corps hymn and, you know, doing all kinds of different things, you know, Marine Corps related. So it's, it's definitely something that was ingrained in me, you know, way before I even uh, stepped on the yellow footprints. 
So in your, in many ways, your dad did what my podcast is inspiring other dads to do. He took what the Marine Corps gave him and helped build a, a strong, resilient son. Absolutely. My, my dad, my dad never uh, was the guy that said, you know, you're going to join the Marine Corps and that's it. No, he, he supported everything that I was about or every, anything that I would uh, have liked to do. But, you know, he always was very Marine Corps proud. I mean, he had, you know, his books everywhere. He had his, you know, his Paris Island recruit training book everywhere. And I, as a kid, I would bring that damn thing everywhere. And just, uh, you know, just, again, I was exposed to a lot of things at an early age. And so going to boot camp for me, I was just uh, very proud to be able to uh, finally get through that and join the ranks of my, of my family. And I think the most, the most inspiring thing for me when I first heard your story is that you're now a gym owner in a wheelchair that I think most people see those two as an oxymoron, but you've been able to create an entire identity and you're, and, and not just an identity, it's a way of life. And this is your way of inspiring others. And that's just something that most people don't think of, but for you, it, it's now what you've called your normal. And so many people get hung up on the idea that you have to fit your life into a cookie cutter that other people give you. You blew up the cookie cutters and made your own shape yep. and it's, it's successful. And that's, often where we get stuck is we're, we're internally shooting ourselves because people tell you, you should do this and you should do that. And you said to hell with what they should tell me they should do. I'm going to do what's in my heart and what's around me. And you found your, your purpose and your passion. And now you've got two for thriving things. You got a foundation and your, your gym. Where were you maybe unpack a little bit of story. Where were you, or maybe it's not that important or memorable, but did you remember the moment where you was like, I'm going to own a gym? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I was working at a, a local gym and I was at night. So I was like, you know, taking these people who were on night crew and they were working out by themselves. So I started to do some calisthenics and started to just do some, you know, different circuit training kind of stuff. And then, you know, I, I, I sort of, you know, got the idea. I'm like, well, shit, maybe I can, you know, maybe make a business out of this. So I looked at Camp Lejeune. Camp Lejeune was doing a, uh, a PT coordinators course for all the Navy and the Marine Corps units that was down at Lejeune that they can come and they can learn how to, you know, create PT programs for their units. So I reached out to them. They uh, permitted me to come down. So I spent a week down at Camp Lejeune and, you know, just got a, a total, totally, you know, awesome perspective on what I was able to do. So when I came back here, um, I sat with my family and, you know, my dad, uh, who unfortunately has passed, but he, he was the one who coined the term core fitness and that's the name of my company. Um, and that's something that, you know, as soon as he said it, I was like, that's it. And it, you know, it's stuck. And this November 16th, it's going to be 15 years. Um, so it's a, uh, it's a pretty, pretty, you know, awesome journey that I've been on. And, you know, the fact that I was able to continue my Marine Corps career in a certain way, I'm not, I'm not a drone instructor, which I wanted to be. Um, but now I get a chance to wear civilians out and they freaking pay me for it, which is, you know, pretty awesome. <laughs> you, um, have you, have you, I'm sure you're a follower of Mark Devine. Uh, you know what? I've heard that name. Yeah. but it, He has like a Coro training, which is kind of like a civilian Navy SEAL type training out in California for like, yeah. he has like a 12 hour event in 24 hours. You, in a similar way, you have it just in a different uh, perspective with a different goal at the end almost, but it's uh, reminds me what you were talking about there a little bit. Well, you know, and, and I tell people, man, it's like, you know, my Marine Corps career was cut short. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm still a Marine and I'm still continuing to serve. I'm just serving in a different way. And that's what I think is the, uh, the key thing for me is what saved my life. You know what? I, I don't have time to worry about the fact that I busted my ass this morning or, you know, I'm bleeding because I fell out of my chair or, 
you know, I had a hard time getting into my truck because I, you know, smashed myself on the ground. You know what? I got 15 minutes to get out to my gym and the people that are out there are there to see Chris Keg, the guy that's going to motivate them, inspire them and work their asses out. Um, and you know what? As soon as I get out there, I wipe the blood off, wipe the dirt off, get out there, open the door and I'm Chris Keg. So I'm there smiling. I'm there joking around, bust people's asses. And you know what? I forgot about all the shit that I just went through. So that's what I believe has really saved my life. I've dedicated my life to the service of others now. And, you know, that is uh, definitely kept my mind away from all the bad things that happened. I want to rewind back just a few minutes. You had mentioned something of doing the going down to Camp Lejeune to see the PT training. Mm-hmm. I think there's, a, if I were to take a conjecture, 80% of the people would have not or would have been too fearful to make that phone call. Did you hesitate in that moment or did you see it and then just call? Or did you like say like, who am I to call them and go down there and I shouldn't be doing this? Did you go through that or was it just clear action and you just took it? Yeah. You know what? I, I just did a, a personality test and you know, I, I look at the big picture and I look at the way that you can adapt and that you can get out there and just, you know, pretty much accomplish anything. And for me, it was just, and this is back in the nineties. So, you know, it was or no, like early two thousands. So the internet was not the, uh, the biggest. And I simply just saw this by chance and, you know, reached out to them by email. And, you know, when they said yes, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And getting down to Camp Lejeune, this was when, you know, the war had, had started. So Camp Lejeune was uh, sort of, uh, you know, kind of desolate, which is something I never saw. <laughs> um, so getting down there with other, you know, other Marines, and other Navy, it, it felt good because, you know, that's something that I realized. I, I, I can meet veterans. I can meet, you know, any branch. And we can shoot the shit for the first 20 minutes. And it doesn't matter. It's like we've known each other for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that was the coolest thing for me to be able to go back down and to realize that they accepted me into that program. You know, even though I was, I was at the time I was walking with two canes. So obviously I was different, but when I got down there, nobody gave a shit. They talked to me like a freaking regular Marine. And that was the thing that I think that uh, helped me along in that program. So I, I didn't feel, uh, I didn't feel totally different. I just want to take a second to talk to the dad out there because what you just said is really big that, when you just simply took action instead of thinking about it, and this is something that I almost, it's, 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 it's a highly statistical uncertainty that I even have a podcast because I'm big overthinker and not a doer. But when you just took action, that created clarity. And then once you created clarity, then the self-doubt was almost instantly gone. In your case, it doesn't sound like there was ever much there, but I would again attribute that to a father who made instilled confidence in decisions that his son was going to be making. And was just there to counsel him when he needed early in life for those early decisions. And then when you got this stage, it was a no brainer. But I think so many dads out there, especially now, depending on where, how you grew up, that they wouldn't have done what you just did, but that's what exactly was that very first step to get that clarity. And Nate or Andy Stump says this who's a Navy SEAL that like you're, you need to have the widest view of the American dream. And prior to going to Camp Lejeune, your view was an X amount of what width. And then you go down there and you completely see a whole new view of it. And this is something we need to continually to keep doing that. You can't see a very wide view if you stay into the standard uh, consumer model of going to Target in the weekends, going to Walmart, getting groceries, watching a football game. You're not going to see new possibilities. You need to get out there, make phone calls, talk to people, do random things like this where you had this idea come in front of you and you really didn't know what to do with it, but it felt right and you just did it. And now look where you are. Like, that's not something that a lot of dads out there do. And this mainly built around fear now. It's probably even worse now with Facebook reinforcing perfect lives. 
But that simple action that you took, I commend you for that because I don't think a lot of dads could have did that. And if, I commend your dad for instilling the, the DNA into you to just simply take action without thinking about it when it feels right. Right. You know, and sometimes, uh, you know, if you overthink and you just said about you, you you're an overthinker, you know, sometimes you have to just kind of cut that thinking off and just jump in with both feet. You know what? Sometimes you're going to sink, but other times you're going to swim. And it's, it, it's, the, it's the greatest opportunity to, uh, to realize that you can do something bigger than you ever thought you could. So if I didn't take that chance, I wouldn't be sitting here today doing the things that I'm doing. If I mm-hmm. was too apprehensive, if I needed to sit around and do a business plan and do all the things that everybody says you should do, well, I, I don't think I'd be uh, as successful as I am and as far along as I am. That I think you would you, you put too much of your fears in front of all the things you could do. All you got to do is just jump in. And that's it's the same thing for our kids. This is why I think we leave so much on the table. Is it's our role as military dads, and we have a very good toolbox to do this to give our kids a very wide view of the American dream. Like, don't just tell them that there's only one way to live your life. That there's only one college. There's only one set of degrees that you can get let them get outside their life, go on trips, go on international travel, see how the world works in different ways, different cultures, because that's how we got to where we are. And we need to give our gift that our give that gift to our kids because that's when then they can go out and even make a bigger dent than you are. Right. I mean, I can't imagine what well, your, your son's six, right? He's six. Yeah. So if he's got you as a dad, it is big of a dent you're making in the universe. His dent's going to outdo yours by three probably. Because he's not going to have fear. He's going to see a, a dad that was able to do everything he'd ever wanted in life from a wheelchair. And he can walk. So it's like, okay, my excuses are out the window right now. He's going to yeah. go out there and do big things. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, to pounding my chest and being proud of my son for all the things that he's going to be doing. Any ideas what he wants to do besides maybe a train conductor? Because my son's five. So that's what he wants <laughs> to do right now. You know, to be honest, um, I, I say this all the time. It's like, I really wish I could have grown up around a gym. You know, this kid, he's six years old and he's being raised by both my core fitness and CrossFit birth community, as well as my I am able. So he's, you know, exposed to adaptive athletes, you know, young kids with spina bifida, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, and he works out with them, you know, during my I am fit classes. So he's being exposed to that. He, so he's not going to grow up ignorant. He actually, uh, you know, he's actually in my chair right now. Like I have two chairs in my house right now and he, uh, he's always has to get into my chair. So he's being exposed to everything that my life is about and he doesn't think it's anything different. So that's the kind of the cool thing that he sees differences, but he doesn't see obstacles. He just sees people getting out there and being able to do, you know, whatever they can, despite the fact that they have these challenges. But you know what? This kid is a gym rat. I mean, mm-hmm. six years old, already climbing ropes, six pull-ups. Yeah, 2019, that's not a bad habit to have on your belt for a six-year-old compared to where the rest of the culture said it. Because my, my fat ass could have done a lot better if I would have went to boot camp, not 230 pounds. <laughs> I couldn't even, I could barely run the, the mile and I couldn't even, I could barely get to the three pull-ups. And even when on my way out, I could barely, I think 10 was my max pull-ups I ever did. Come on, man, you're not supposed to admit that shit. <laughs> I've, it's all about vulnerability. And even now, like I felt like I put in the work in the Marine Corps because it's the biggest running club, the biggest fitness club. And I just never came out like with the feeling like, oh man, I felt fit. And it created almost a fear of going to the gym for uh, almost 15 years because it wasn't until two years ago I finally decided to conquer that fear because I put in the work and I wasn't getting any results. So I just felt like a failure and I didn't want to relive in that moment. So I was like, F it. So I got a coach. And now I go four times a week at 5 a.m. and 
just a month ago, I decided to conquer my fear of running because I had the similar thing of always falling out and never being good enough and just feeling weak when I was a runner because I was never able to keep up. And that just kind of kept me from running. So now I've did that. I just did my first 5K a week ago. Um, so I'm still picking up the pieces of what the Marine Corps taught me. Or if anything, the Marine Corps highlighted the areas that I really needed to double down on. And probably what I didn't do was really double down with the right mindset. I was in the gym to do pull-ups, but really what the gyms taught me is the gym, you go to the gym to do life. And even something as simple as just putting in the reps at the, at the gym reminds you that if you put the reps in at life, you'll get what you want, but you got to put in the reps. It's not about the muscle to me. It's all just about the mindset of like, oh, that weight was hard yesterday. Now it's easy. Oh, I just got to keep putting in the reps and what was hard yesterday will be easy tomorrow. You know, you, you were just talking about, I mean, what was your, what was your fear about running? Uh, just that I would never be good at it. And that just, I have a couple, like almost like maybe PTSD moments where, uh, that I was just dropping out and getting yelled at by the corporals and just never being able to keep up. Um, kind of roots back to maybe a baseball, uh, when I was a sophomore year, I put, I played baseball and I did the entire year. I put in all the work and I played two innings. And there was always these hidden, I never really figured this out till like maybe five years ago, but uh, that moment really told me that putting in the work doesn't always get you the results. And so why put in the work? Um, and those were kind of limiting beliefs that I had to work through um, in a lot of ways through the Marine Corps, but never really worked through them in the Marine Corps. They just kind of almost cemented themselves as I transitioned out and became a regular civilian without a fitness habit. Well, you know what, and I mean, this is going to kind of lead into it, like another part, which I, you know, talk about all the time. Um, you know, when I went to boot camp, I was 230 pounds. I was a freaking fat ass. Um, you know, the entire time I was at boot camp, I had shin splints. I, you know, thought I was going to freaking drop, but never dropped out of one run, never dropped out of any challenge. And one of our last runs was right after our final PFT. We were grouped into, uh, into different platoons based on our run time. And we were going to do a, uh, it was like a four and a half mile run. I was in third battalion. So we went, you know, back along the swamps and I was teamed up with my drone instructor at, at the time, drone instructor, Sergeant Hart. Um, he actually currently is still in the Marine Corps. He's a Lieutenant Colonel. So he was a pretty much a recruiter post to Marine, you know, force recon. And just, he was awesome. Somebody at the time when I was 17, 18 years old, I didn't know how much of an impact he was going to have. And it was a huge impact because we were doing that run started off at a normal cadence, you know, you know, normal pace. I was up front. I wasn't a squad leader, but he had me up front that day. And as we're running, you know, he's like, all right, we're done calling cadence, pick it up keg. And we basically were on a full out freaking sprint, sprint, you know, uh, halfway through it. And we started off at second to last platoon at a 10 platoons and we finished second. But on the way back, the final stretch, you know, there was people there. I think we dropped like four or five guys. They quit and they dropped out. Well, I never wanted to quit anything. I was, I was more willing to freaking take the sacrifices and, and the pain. And as we're running, this is something that most, you obviously know, most drone, you know, drone instructors are not very encouraging. They're not, mm -hmm. very, yeah. they're not there to take care of you. Um, but as we're running, I mean, I, I started to well up. I was like freaking in so much goddamn pain. Um, but he, he yelled out, don't quit on me, Keg. And those five words have stuck with me ever since then. Because you know what, that day I did not freaking quit. I freaking sucked, sucked it up. I kept going. As soon as I crossed the, the, the finish line, I, I collapsed. And I thought I was going to have to go to freaking, uh, you know, medical. But you know what, it was one of those things that was, that, that right there was the defining moment of my life. And I didn't realize it until I was about 24, 25 years old when I was starting to have my problems. It's like that was the day 
that I was able to freaking realize that I could do a hell of a lot more than I ever thought that I could. And you know what, that's something that, you know, I think a lot of people need because once you redefine, you know, what's possible, you're going to be able to do so many uh, amazing things and it's going to get you over those hurdles. And my life growing up, I never really was pushed to the limits. I grew up on a farm, so I knew what hard work was, but it was never something that like, oh, you're really just going me. Like to me, it was just had to push to the end of the hay wagon to the hay wagon was empty. Like that was as far as you had to go and it was easily visually there. But something about the just always, it was always easier just to give up. And I never really had anybody reinforcing pretty much almost through, I can't remember really anybody that said, hey, Ben, don't give up. And yep. it was just this constant theme. I did basketball, I did wrestling, I did baseball. Felt all of it just validated I wasn't good enough. And then when that went into the Marine Corps, it was just always easier to drop out. And I wasn't ever the guy that could be motivated by being yelled at. I needed to be inspired. I needed to be in like almost like a vision. Like I needed someone to see the potential inside me and help pull it out. But most people just yelled at me and that usually made me want to just give up because then I lost respect for them. And there was one moment that I'll never forget. I've said it a couple times in the podcast, but it's worth repeating. We had a, a, our platoon sergeant, and he was a poster board Marine as well. And we were in Okinawa, so it's like breathing underwater. I think I'd been on the island for a month. And he yells back because I'm starting to drop out. He's like, Kaloy, are you weak? And I was like, yes, sir. And that burnt through my head. And I still remember that moment like it was yesterday. I can remember exactly where we were on base. and that that voice inside my head was almost repeating through a lot of different things in my life. And as I start rerunning now, I can, and I've been doing like a run walk sprints. When I sprint, when I first started, I could feel myself, Hey, just start walking. So I could feel that old habit. But now I've actually had this, I can hear the voice saying like, Ben, keep going. Like, so the voice is starting to change, but I needed to put in the reps and I needed to change the mindset of why I was doing it. Cause I'm not doing it to be good at running. I'm doing it to condition my mind of its full potential. And I, you need to break those rubber bands. And I'm, I'm famous for colloisms, which are just my random ways to say things. But limiting beliefs are like rubber bands. You just got to keep stretching them and they'll eventually break. And that's where I'm kind of working through my gym and the running is that these are all just limiting beliefs that needed to break and break through. And eventually, as these running ones happen, it just proves my mentally what, wrong what my brain was saying inside. Right. Yeah. You know, being, being active is not only beneficial from a physical standpoint, obviously it's, it's good to get your heart racing, but you know what, you, you, you really have to, to, to redefine yourself all the time. And that's, you know, what I've been doing with, you know, you know, both personally and professionally, you know, I'm constantly redefining what it is that I can do, you know, and that's something that I, I, I feel very strongly about with, you know, redefining to my adaptive, you know, so I, I get a lot of people who have different conditions and you know what? I, I really am uh, so excited to show them that, you know what? Don't give me any excuses because you're going to see the guy in the chair who, you know, works out five, six days a week. I've, you know, mountain bike almost every day, you know, and I'm, I'm, I've, I've redefined what that stigma is. And if I can give that to other young people who are, cha- you know, being challenged with either a disability or just life in general, then they can say, oh, you know what? I, I need to, to, you know, keep on redefining what I'm able to do. And a lot of life is brain work now. So when you exercise everything in your brain, your brain like just starts viewing life from the things that you do in your brain because that's what people are paying you for. It's not something you could physically do. It's they're paying for what your brain can produce. So you just start getting the habits of thinking your brain to find the limits versus your body. And there's just not, unless you consciously do it like I am or just enjoy being outdoors and getting physical, you don't have a lot of opportunities. And there's so many ways to be lazy in life today of Netflix and there's almost no consequences for binge watching a Netflix season all week versus trying to do something amazing with your life. Like you can do that and still have food on the table. 
But a hundred years ago, you wouldn't be able to do that. And that just, I think, crashes head to head for veterans and dads that you get these combinations and we just lose sight of how to move our life forward because we're just caught up in this programming that doesn't work for us. You know, you know, again, talk about me serving, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, I own a gym. I run my foundation. You know what? I have a certain reputation that I have to uphold. I have to answer to a lot of people because, you know, if they would see me sitting around eating bonbons or, you know, not doing a damn thing, I really would have a hard time marketing my company and all the things that I'm going to do to be successful. So it makes me want to do things even more. You know, it makes me constantly, you know, getting out there and challenging myself and doing as much as I can so that I can make sure that my people see that I'm out there leading from the front and making sure that they're doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to circle back something that you mentioned with your son and his viewing just life in a completely different lens. I mean, like you talk about a wider view. I mean, being surrounded with those people, and that perseverance and that mental shift of mentally versus physically definitions that one of the things I've heard veterans are perfectly capable or perfectly designed for is to bring our country back together. That in many ways, our country is like a a windshield on a car that's been shattered, but it hasn't broke. It's just got a thousand pieces, but veterans are the most suited to bring us back together because we were lived in a melting pot and we learned how to get around with each other. Imagine that gift that you're giving your son of viewing everybody as an equal and what he'll be able to do from a point of view of even just being like uh, an ambassador almost between two sides, because he doesn't see a side. All he sees is people like that is a gift you're giving him that maybe one out of a thousand kids will have any perspective even close to his. I mean, that's an an amazing gift that you're giving him there. And I literally almost excited just to to wait and see some press release 30 years from now that this kid's done something so that you can't even imagine what he's been going out in the world to do. That, 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 that's cool. I, I appreciate you saying that. Cause that's something that I'm very proud of. It's like this kid, six years old, he's got more empathy than a lot of adults that I know, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's great that he's growing up with that, with that mindset that he's going to take care of people. You know, he takes care of me all the time. He'll see me bust my ass and he'll come over and he'll grab me. He's actually strong as hell. So sometimes he'll help lift me up into my chair, you know, so he, that, that's his, uh, that's his goal, you know, just be able to help people. And if he can continue to do that and he's going to get even you know, bigger and stronger, and he's going to be able to help a lot more people. It's going to be pretty amazing to see what he can do. And we need more people that spend time to understand versus judging. And for someone that's already kind of lived his life through that lens, it'll almost, um, in in some ways, there's a a metaphor that I, it was a, a letter that I wrote to myself, like maybe three years ago in the context of a close friend saying, wow, I was worth it. I was going through a pit and I was like, I just didn't feel worth anything. And so this letter is essentially my own words, but it's context of a friend. And then I wrote the most profound words I've ever wrote in myself in that you think early in life, people push you down and that those are the reasons holding you back. But in, in reality, people push you down early in life so that later you were ready to pull people up. And so like now, as I have this podcast or even uh, people often just say how good of a friend I am, I honestly believe that that's because I was literally that guy that was being pushed down. So I know that look on someone's face. And your son's going to have a database full of those faces, of those people that need that hand reached out to be that friend or just an ear. I, like, like I literally can't imagine what he's going to be able to go out there and do because he's going to pick up a whole pile more people than you ever even imagined with your goal that you have. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not going to rush it. I'm still... Uh, yeah, he's still got to be a kid. He's still got to grow into it. But man, those, that is a, a hell of a first floor to build a skyscraper from. Absolutely. 
Well, I'm just embracing the hugs and kisses and the I love you dads right now. So I'm not going to rush into to get any older. <laughs> and those are some of the, just the core basics, uh, just making sure that, you know, they're proud of you, that they know you believe in them and that you've got their back whenever they need it. Like that's just something that in itself increases the chance of them launching out of your basement and not coming back. <laughs> Let's go ahead and unpack a little bit about your nonprofit for a few minutes. Is there an, a story that you want to share that off the top of your head that, um, might inspire a dad lift listening out there to take action. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was my, my doctor who handled my condition, he was down at uh, Kennedy Krieger down in Baltimore. And, uh, here I am a 21 year old Marine and I would walk into the, I was still walking and I, I would walk into this hospital when I would go down there for my appointments and it, it was a children's hospital. So, you know, here's kids with breathing tubes and feeding tubes and they're in chairs or they're confined to beds um, and that had a huge impact on me. Um, you know, being, being, I wasn't a dad then, but I mean, I, I definitely loved kids and I, I loved, you know, families and stuff like that. So seeing these kids and seeing the parents that were down there really, really it, it, it tug at me. And I wanted to try to provide, uh, the opportunity for these kids to be quote unquote normal, you know, have a, have a chance to go out and ride a bike with everybody else. And, you know, just experience those things that I was fortunate enough to experience when I was a kid. So that's what I uh, was, you know, the, one of the main reasons I started the I Am Able Foundation because, you know, unfortunately being disabled is not cheap. You know, there's so many expenses that people have just to live a life, let alone getting out there and being active and being physically fit. You know, so I want to uh, you know provide them with hand cycles or different adaptive pieces of equipment so they could feel like they were normal. You know, and a lot of these kids, you know, just like everybody, we're trying to fit in. We're trying to figure out who we are, who who we're going to identify with or who we, how we're going to be identified by everybody else. These kids already have a, uh, a strike against them. You know, they're walking around with canes or they're in chairs already. And you know what people judge and you know, it pisses me off to no end when these kids, you know, their peers, you know, they pick on kids because of their difference, you know, and that, that's something that I really wanted to uh, create a level playing field for these kids. And that's, that's the, the most rewarding thing to be able to see my first, one of my first grant recipients, five-year-old boy, when I gave him his hand cycle, his hand cycle cost $1,900. We brought out probably 20 to 30 kids, first, second, and third graders who brought their bikes out. These are all able-bodied kids. You know, so this little five-year-old boy, when he got, uh, you know, got on his bike, all these kids were going to ride around with him. And they were going to show him that, yeah, you're, you're, you're riding a different bike, but you know what? We're still going to ride with you. And that was the, the most profound, you know, time, you know, uh, during the early stages of my I Am Able career is just seeing that, uh, that huge impact that being normal can have for these kids. And uh, there's a John Maxwell quote that I pretty much run on, that if there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. And then when you give that gift of hope, you give them so much power to do something amazing now. And I often describe my operating system running on hope that if I don't have hope in the future, it blue screens right now. And that's what you're dishing out to those kids is that that hope that I can take that step and then take another one and then take another one. And you actually kind of reminded me when you described the, the gym a little bit, like it's like average Joe's and dodgeball that there's just a lot of people that don't fit in, but when they're at average Joe's gym, they can be just average Joe and you're giving them that gift of feeling average, which isn't something that a lot of those kids ever feel like they always feel like they're not on average on the outside. Um, almost yeah, pulling down the average. We're giving them a sense of normalcy. You know, mm -hmm. all, the, all the kids that are, you know, the same age as them, they're out doing all kinds of things and they have limitations, they have challenges. 
and we, we, we give them an environment where they can be as motivated and as encouraged as they can, you know, and getting around other people who are going to be there to be helping them, you know, get friends and just be in that social environment so they can, you know, feel normal. So how long have you had the foundation? Uh, since 2007. So I can imagine you've had several ripples already come back to you. What's a ripple that you could share with this of a kid that you initially helped and changed their world that then went on later to change someone else's? Uh, you know what? <laughs> there, there, there's been so many. And that, and that's something that I, I, I talk to people all the time. It's great when I hear stories because you know what? I go out and I do the things that I do because I, this is what I do. This is my life. It's not even, it's not even my job. It's my company, but you know what? This, I live this, this, uh, this lifestyle. And when people come back to me and tell me these things and how it impacted them, I'm like, wow. Cause I don't go out saying, okay, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to impress somebody? How am I going to change somebody's life? No, I just go out there and freaking do my shit and mm-hmm. with these stories. It, it's pretty awesome. So I, there, you know, some of, some of the biggest, some of the biggest, you know, uh, things that I, I, I really have gotten is that, you know, these, these young kids, they, they obviously don't have confidence or they don't feel like they can do something. And when they met me, now they're able to get out there and do things like this one kid, you know, I only knew him briefly, but I gave him a, a basketball wheelchair at my race. Cause every event that we do, I want to provide an adaptive piece of equipment. So everybody who's there, they can see firsthand where their money's going and they can meet the athlete that we were able to help change their life and change possibilities. And this kid wrote me a you know really profound letter. Um, and basically just saying that, you know, he, now has the opportunity to go out there and you know participate and do all these things he's now going to college and he's going to play on the college wheelchair basketball team because he had this opportunity to get this grant you know and that's something that has totally changed his whole out his whole outlook on what's possible by you know us getting him a twenty five hundred dollar you know basketball wheelchair you know that's that's something that's uh, you know we, we just redefine to him what's possible and that's that's something that I think that we've done so many times it's, it's kind of uh, yeah, there's so many stories out there that I just don't even know how to tell you all of them. And I think that's what the coolest part is that you're really just creating ripples in a pond that you don't get to see. And I've heard legacy best described as planting seeds in a garden that you never get to see grow. And that's what you're essentially doing with each one of those kids is you're planting a seed of hope and empowerment that it may take years for it to start growing, but you know, it will at some point. And all of those kids are going to go out with a different outlook and and the, the part that you can almost guarantee will make a bigger impact is the almost the more adversity you have in life, the strong, the higher you climb almost that if you think of Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, these are all people came from the opposite side of where they are today, but they're at the top of the game from where they are today. Right. And these kids that understand how to do life in a different view go miles farther than people that don't have any of these things holding them back. Like yourself, even, I mean, you're, you're already out achieved, a good portion of military veterans and you're doing it from a wheelchair and you didn't even do all, all your uh, enlistment. You had to leave early. You know, I, I definitely think that challenges can make people a lot better than they think they can. Cause I mean, if you have something too easy and you don't have any things you have to deal with or you have to adjust or you have to, you know, improvise, adapt and, and figure things out. You know, I, I really don't think you learn as, as much. And that's something that I, I really think that, my life has given me up. I, I, I kind of tell, you know, I think this is the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, yeah, there's not a day that goes by that I wouldn't give my left arm to be able to have my legs back and to be able to do the things that I was doing. But you know what, if I didn't have this happen to me, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I wouldn't be in, uh, you know, having my, both my companies. So 
people just need to take adversity sometimes and realize that this is a learning mode and this is going to definitely make you a stronger and better person. One topic I want to dive in quick. I think you might have a unique view on it. When you run into veterans that are working through PTSD, what is your general philosophy for them to work through it? Uh, well, um, again, everybody has their differences and everybody's going to have a, a way to deal with things a lot better. Again, I want to be a resource. I want to be somebody who's going to be there to listen and to, uh, to help facilitate anything. And, you know, PTSD, you know, I'm just going to give a quick example of how this, this works with the stuff that I'm trying to do. Cause I just, I just started this program last year. It's called operation lead from the front. You know, so I get any veteran who, you know, has issues, either PTSD or just has, you know, troubles assimilating back into society or whatever, whatever their, uh, their obstacles are. Now I give them the same gift that I have. I give them one of my, uh, I am fit athletes, you know, so this one uh, gentleman, uh, Alan, he was a Marine as well. He's been battling PTSD for over four years and I teamed him up with Robert. Robert is a young 18 year old man uh, who you know gets around with a walker. He's got some limitations on his left side and they came out to my class together and I said, uh, Alan, it's your responsibility to train Robert, get it done. And that's all I said. And for a whole hour, they're out there working out. And as soon as the, the class was done, I think I probably had three or four texts and Robert said, or I'm sorry, Alan said, that kid just saved my life, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that I want to make sure that when people come to me that have issues, I want to give them those kind of examples because you know what, if you can give yourself a new mission and new objectives, it's going to definitely, uh, you know, help you get away from all the things that are, uh, you know, ailing you or, you know, stuck in your head. You're going to, you're going to now start to think about somebody else's uh, benefits. A little bit like Chris Kyle's story where he was in a little bit of the same pit and then he decided to redefine that there's people that came home that need him just as much as the people over there. And unfortunately it didn't end in the direction that we wanted it to, but that still found him to redefine his purpose. And I think you hit it right on the head that redefining your purpose, because what I've figured out uh, interviewing dads in this podcast is that we get hung up on this, the legacy of our service and there's no answers to the questions that you want to ask it. It's over. It's all facts. It's all just nothing. It's, it's just happened. It's a, a step into your life. But when you switch to some other legacy and the legacy of your family, the legacy of finding a mission like yours where you're impacting another life, that purpose redefines all of the skills that you trained and developed in the military. And you've got someone over your shoulder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but that redefines everything over your shoulder, or, or not everything, everything about your life into a new set. And I think PTSD is a very hard thing to go through. And I didn't go through it. But what I've learned about it is a lot of what takes to go through it is just retooling it for a different purpose. That it's just a lot of life. You learned a lot of life lessons in a 10 minute period. But those life lessons can empower someone else to move a mountain, just like what you're doing when you pair them. Like, these are things that allow that Marine to use what he used and what he felt worthless using because it didn't have any purpose. And now he can take it and retool someone else to move through their life. That it's just about refocusing that, that uh, growth into a positive direction. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rewarding for me to see the smiles on Robert, this young boy, he felt ostracized when he would go to gyms because nobody in there knew how to take care of him because he has a walker and he has limitations and you know, with Robert in there, you know, help, helping or getting help by Alan, it was just amazing to see the look on Robert's face. And then Alan, you could tell he was getting satisfaction out of seeing this young kid 
benefiting from the things that he was doing. So again, his purpose was redefined and he's now able to, uh, to see the joy that he's able to create in somebody else's life. I have to think that there was one person that inspired that idea or was it just like something that hit you when you're in the shower of like, I could pair these two types of people. Is there any story of how you crafted the idea? No, it was, it was one of those things where uh, I started to realize that my life has been saved. Again, I, 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 give, I give thanks to my, all my people, all my, all my clients, all my customers, all the people that you know, are involved in my society that I've created. Um, I, I thank them. Because they're the ones who, you know, have taken my mind off of all the things that I got to deal with. And I, I just started thinking about veterans because there was, there was this, I actually met Alan the one day uh, through a friend and I just kind of learned a little bit more about what he was dealing with. And the idea just kind of came to me when I was talking to him. My, my mind doesn't really shut the hell up every, you know, all the time. I'm constantly thinking about different things. And it was just one of those things where I wanted to help Alan, first of all, you know, to, get through all the things that he was dealing with and just thought about my life and thought, you know what? I think there's definitely some parallels on the things that I've been doing that I could parallel with, uh, with Alan and make sure that he can get out there and, and, and do the same thing that I was doing. That reminds me of some of the best business advice. that took me two years to figure out that if you're trying to figure out a business, especially an online business, the fastest way to do it is to go five years into the past of yourself and figure out what transformed your life and then just give that gift to others from the point of that you're at and like, let yourself be the avatar that you're trying to help. And essentially I've used that same thing to kind of think of how to help other military veteran dads, like go back. It's like, what's the one thing that helped me? I was like, okay, it's friendships. So friendships created opportunities and opportunities created uh, different things and paths that I couldn't see. And that created confidence. And, but it all came back to using myself. And that's where you essentially you did right there. You engineered yourself backwards and found like, okay, what helped me get through this? Okay, being inspired. Okay, if I re-engineer it and bring other people together, you make it happen. Yeah, this this operation leaves in the front. Like I have so many things that I want to do. You know, I want to give them the opportunity to, you know, take, you know, the person with no legs, or you know, I have this woman who has no hands, no leg, and part of a foot missing. She was an Appalachian Trail hiker. I'm going to get a veteran now and say, okay, you need to take Beth up to the mountain and uh, you know show her how to get back out in the woods. You know, that's the kind of mission that I want these guys to figure out because, you know, that's as veterans, it's not like we have a roadmap on how we have to deal with things. You get, you get an order, you have something you need to take care of, you need to figure it the F out. And that's exactly what I want these guys to be, and women, uh, whoever comes to me, I want them to be able to have a challenge they have to figure out to be able to help somebody else out. That, I can't think of the guy's name, um, but there's a, an actual guy, a I can't remember his story of how he became blind, but he was blind and he climbed Mount Everest. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Eric, Eric that's, that's, I was going to say that, but I had to guess Eric. So I wasn't sure if I was combining the two together. Uh, but that guy, he'd used the words of like his rope team, ropes team. And that your ropes team is what's going to get you through life. And you need those people surrounding you that you can count on. You can build trust with and you can do anything. I mean, they helped a blind man get to the top of Everest, which a lot of people that can see can't get to the top of Everest. So that's what kind of what you're doing is you're building ropes teams for people to connect their life together like that. Yeah. You know, and I want, I want to give the opportunities, uh, you know, one, one other example, speaking of blind. So we have this uh, group of visually impaired and I want to, you know, the one day they said they want to get outside. That was the one thing that people who have, you know, visual impairments, they want to get outside and they want to smell. They want to smell the grass and they want to feel the sun and they just want to go for a walk. So I got uh, a group together. We actually had about 20 to 30 volunteers that came out and we had a group of visually impaired. We took them out for a walk. You know, it was an hour, hour and a half. 
And that was the most beneficial thing for them just to be able to get out there and live just like everybody else. So now I want to get other veterans, you know, some older veterans that may have some time on their hands during the day, you know, what they're going to be responsible for getting somebody out and just get, taking them for a walk. So again, all those things that I, I really feel passionate about these, uh, these veterans that they have, they have the ability to get out there and lead from the front. And you're reigniting that servant heart that a lot of veterans ignited to join. Absolutely. Then that fire goes very dim. It's almost like the fire in the fireplace. And it's just waiting for the light switch to turn into the fire that you get in a gas fireplace. Right. Absolutely. The mission continues. You just have to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And you shortcutting that process is a, is a wonderful thing. Well, if there is, as we wrap up this interview, is if you could wrap up a piece of wisdom, a piece of dad advice that you want to share with the audience, what's something you want to gift wrap your wisdom and experience up to this point in your life to the audience? You know what? I, I, I really think that people just need to get out there and, uh, you know, redefine what's possible, you know, whether or not that's for you personally, or if that's for you redefining what's possible for somebody else, you know, it, it, it's, it's very, very uh, rewarding to be able to do the things that I'm doing and being able to now be an example for other people in the same situation or, you know, worse than I have to let, to let them know that, that, that you can definitely do a lot. And you know what? I'm, I'm surrounded by inspirational people all the time. You know, I'm constantly looking at people who have no hands, no legs, and they climb Mount Kilimanjaro. You know, that's the kind of stuff that I try to tell people when I go out and speak. I want people to, to pay attention to all the things that are out there because you know what? You, you, you can find inspirational things all the time. If you think you're having a bad day, look at one of those stories, you know, and that's going to help you to, uh, to realize that, you know what, there's really no limitations. I just have to redefine what's possible. I need to improvise. I need to figure out a different way to do it. I need to adapt. I need to implement that change in my daily life. And then I have to overcome basically just get on, take the next step with no excuses. I know those three words from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a few words that I never knew uh, would be that big of a deal for me. <laughs> And it, it's those little, it's those little moments like that, that give you the, the wisdom and the courage to start taking action, even though it's a simple tagline of improvise, adapt and overcome. But there are so many just different ways to, to apply that. And that's what I think the biggest thing that holds his dad's back is we just, we don't even, we don't even get to the first step of improvising that we just cease to take action in our life. And we no longer hold ourselves accountable for that. We have some ownership of that. And we just, the simple step just begins by taking a simple action towards something. I mean, my fitness goal of running and conquering all these fears that I just mentioned, that began because I started reading The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And in it, it talked about trying to be fit. And so I just started going for a walk in the summer at like six o'clock in the morning. I just went for a walk for like a mile and a half. And that's where my habit started. That took, I was four years ago almost. So the road to where I am started a long time ago with just starting going for simple walks. You know, and, and I think one of the other things you, you need to be around people who are going to hold you accountable. You know, that's, that's again, my gym, you know, people pay me to come in, but you know what? I'm, I'm the one who's going to make sure that they push themselves and they take the next step. I know everybody's abilities. I know what everybody's capable of doing and I hold them accountable. And I think we all need to be held accountable, myself included. You know, I have, you know, my director of development who's going to be able to, you know, tell me to shut the hell up or sit back and, you know, do something different or, you know, not focus on, you know, different things that I shouldn't focus on. So we, we all have to be held accountable. And if you, uh, you know, surround yourself with people who do that, it's going to be amazing, you know, all the things that you won't put excuses on. Do you have a shirt that says BS referee? BS referee? <laughs> no. <laughs> I feel like you're destined to own it. 
Uh, someone uh, needs someone needs to get this man a BS referee shirt because that's what I just envisioned you going into someone's gym. Being like, man, yep, that, that, that doesn't that, that doesn't smell, pass the smell test. That's BS. Is that something that already exists? Or is that something I don't think so. I just came up with it in my head. So maybe it is. It, it could be. I'll have to Google it after this. But uh, <laughs> I like that. I think I'm going to have to uh, start to own that. <laughs> yeah. Like you could even, it could even just be some like Instagram tagline of BS referee. I like that. that. I really do like that. <laughs> and so if any dads out there listening need a BS referee, Chris Keg is your, is your guy. Right on. I am more than willing to put my foot in anybody's ass. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I used to joke that there should be like an Amazon product that you could Amazon someone to boot up their butt or boot up their ass. Like Uh just like, and some, I need someone to Amazon me boot up my ass if I don't do this by tomorrow. Cause you can have everything within 24 hours. So like, why wouldn't you be able to Amazon it to someone to almost like a little bit like a little figurine just with a kick on it. And you could just jokingly Amazon it to someone and say like, Oh crap! Someone's calling me out of my BS. I'll tell you what. I, I'm always looking for different uh, new business models. That sounds like a good one. <laughs> a good, a good one where you just need a little bit of money to a Kickstarter campaign to get it started. But then I think it would go viral because I think people would just Amazon these things to themselves as jokes all over the freaking world. <laughs> That's awesome. You got some good ideas. It's like the man. kaching button. Like those kaching buttons are. They went viral because you could just right. Amazon them to anybody, and they're stupid and silly, but people did it. <laughs> I like it, man. Which socials are the ones that follow on you if they want to, people want to connect with you or follow what's going on in Chris Keg's life? So, you know, Core, core Fitness, C-O-R-P-S Fitness uh, is my Facebook page. And then we have uh, the I Mail Foundation. So the letter I, the letter M, Abel Foundation is the uh, nonprofit. And we're both on uh, um, Instagram, um, uh, Facebook, websites, all that good stuff. All right. And then Chris Keg personally. Chris, C-H-R-I-S. <laughs> K-A-A-G. Awesome. Well, I can, I, this episode was definitely worth the wait, and I'm sure we brought a few dads home because we hit on a lot of random topics today, but we hit on a lot of good topics that I feel like are right around the surface area where we need to start cracking the egg open to uh, get dads to wake up that you came home and other dads didn't, and it's up to us to create a legacy worthy of that sacrifice other dads gave us. Right on. Well, Chris, you have a great afternoon, and I can't wait to get this episode out in the world. Right on, man. Thanks very much for your time. I appreciate it. This was good. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.